welcome to Co-Hops Podcast, Episode 4. We are a podcast about video games, uh, but we our fun little spin is that we feature a new beer every episode. Uh, and today, I am joined by Garrett. Hello. And Zach. Howdy, howdy. And I'm Nick. Uh, today, Garrett chose the beer, so what are we drinking? Uh, today we are drinking Firestone Walker's 805 beer. Um, description on the website, which seems to kind of be our uh, MO, is 805 is a light, refreshing ale originally originally created for a laid-back California lifestyle. This is an easy-drinking beer that can be enjoyed anywhere. So uh, this, is a, this is a California beer um, from... Uh, Firestone, like the tire company. It's like one of the offspring of the Firestone family. Oh, and, wait, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I've been to the brewery before. Um, I'm going to botch this. I should have looked it up before the episode, but it's. <laughs> I think it's in San Luis Obispo. It's somewhere on the California coast near the Bay Area. According to and, the can, it's um, in Paso Robles. Oh, P- Paso Ooh. Robles. Duh. I've been out of California <laughs> too long. Apparently, I've been uh, Robles. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, let's, get, let's get a taste. I'm, I'm eager to hear uh, what you guys think about it. Yeah. And uh, so I'm curious, where did you find this? Uh, So I was visiting my grandparents who still live in California and we went out to uh, Pismo, which is where we usually took family trips. And uh, you go through Paso Robles on the way out there. And uh, my grandfather is huge into wine, knew that I liked beer. And Firestone Walker Brewery is how I got my grandfather into beer. I had never heard of it before. We stopped by the brewery. Um, 805 is kind of like their, their light beer. Um, to me, it tastes very, very similar to Coors Light, but it doesn't give me a stomach ache after I have a couple. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's just, I have a lot of fond memories of the, the, the brewery and, uh, hanging out. So every single time my grandparents go to the coast, which is very frequent, they stop at Firestone Walker Brewery. Uh, every time I'm out there, we have Firestone Walker beer. So it just, uh, it's a nice little memento from California and from my family. What's funny That's is that cool. I had never heard of this before you, you mentioned neither the beer or the brewery. I've never heard of any of this. So likewise, um, I, I hadn't even seen the cans. Like I hadn't noticed them on shelves, <clears throat> but I have to say this is a really gorgeous can, gorgeous design. Um, it has this beautiful, like, black fading into a smoke gray at the bottom of the can with this really nice looking um like clean logo um probably my favorite can design so far yeah i would agree it's it's well designed can i like that it says properly chill at the top (laughs) so that you know not to drink it warm but also to be chill (laughs) but also to be chill uh i think it's it's fine like it's uh it's totally just a light you know beer it doesn't uh it doesn't do anything special that I would say, but it's super drinkable. I mean, I jokingly said I was going to drink six of these before. I might actually because, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> it's, they're very easy to drink. <laughs> they are, and they're like four point something percent alcohol, I think, right? Uh, oh, four point wow. seven, it looks yeah. like. And uh, it pretty much, so if you go down to California, especially like Central Central Valley, you know, in the coast area, uh, you'll see instead of Bud Light, instead of Coors Light, 805. 805 is huge because it used to only be served in California. That, that was a big gimmick of it is that it essentially replaced the light beer in California everywhere. <laughs> is and this the area code for that? 
Yeah. It is? Okay. Yeah, 805, uh, yeah. So, um, but but yeah, all throughout California now, and, and they were like, oh, it's selling in Oregon. And last year, my grandparents came up, and my grandfather was so excited because they, uh, they drive a fifth wheel up, and uh, he's like, they have 805 because he just, you know, he likes his light <laughs> beer. And, and uh, yeah, so anyway, just wanted to share that with you guys. Yeah, it's, it's I don't think that it's anything super fantastic, but... Uh, it, I like it a lot better than just your generic light beer. And it, like I said, it doesn't give me that kind of corn starchy or corn syrupy kind of aftertaste. It's <laughs> smooth. What? and Yeah, it's, it's good. I, I have to say it's better than I expected when you said light beer. Uh, one of the things about, uh, living in the Pacific Northwest for basically your whole life and your entire drinking life, at least is that you get to be a bit of a snob <laughs> about beer. Like, I don't think I've ever had a Coors or a Miller, light <laughs> or otherwise. You're not yeah. missing um, anything. No. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Pabst, Pabst Blue Ribbon is about the, like, lowest end that, that I've gotten, and that's pretty pretty rough. That's like a drink it because you have to uh, sort of deal um, but, uh, so I, I have a bit of a negative association when I think about like light beers. Um, but this is, this is really nice. It's more flavorful than I expected specifically. Yeah. It has a nice, like simple, clean, weedy flavor. Um, yeah, totally drinkable. This is the kind of thing where, yeah, if I wanted to just sit down and drink bunch of something this is this is totally what i would go for i can see why it uh dominated the light beer scene in california and it's cool that it's around here all right well uh zach do you want to start off with the uh what are you playing what are you collecting sure um well for collection reasons i just got some some pretty cool stuff uh some pretty cool stuff you got like (laughs) a truck full of stuff. So, uh, we're, we're just going to take a pause while you list <laughs> off all the items that you received in the last two weeks. Yeah. Or like the last two days, like all, all weekend you've been sending us, uh, photos of, of the, uh, the stuff you've acquired. So I'm going to sit back and drink my beer and listen to you regale us with the tale of so many NES games. <laughs> yeah. Che- cheers, Nick. Uh, we're going to take a little backseat. Cheers. <laughs> Well, let's uh, let's start with what I got today, which was uh, in the mail. I received two Virtual Boy games to add to my collection. Uh, there's not very many North American Virtual Boy games. I figure I might try to get them all. We'll see. One of them's five hundred dollars. So, eh, we'll see. Ooh, which one's that again? Uh, Jack Brothers. Oh, of course. Of course, the famous Jack Brothers. Everybody knows the Virtual Boy game Jack Brothers. <laughs> oh, I mean, I do, but that's just because I'm a Shin Megami Tensei nerd. Yeah, uh. it's the the pyro jack and uh oh my gosh jack frost it's those yes guys. uh when do you get the lawnmower man game for the uh <laughs> for the virtual boy they made one of those right oh hell yeah or does it turn you into lawnmower man if you play all of those games in a row yeah it turns your brain to mush so absolutely <laughs> yeah i i get eye strain sometimes just from regular video games oh my i cannot imagine virtual boy just a red hell <laughs> I picked up so right now so I've only got four so far but I think there's only like 14 so I guess I'm pretty close already You're so <laughs> close almost there but that sounds right I recall there being some outrageously expensive ones uh even beyond Jack Brothers but maybe I'm thinking um 
non North American releases. There's a there's I think there's hmm, I might get this number wrong. I think there's 22 worldwide. Um, 14 of them North American, and then there's I think a couple European, a couple Japanese. Uh, for North American Jack Brothers, uh, absolutely the most expensive at five hundred dollars. I think the next one is like a hundred and fifty or something. So it's like just an astronomical jump between the two. Um, but I've got so I picked up uh, Mario's Tennis and uh, Red Alarm, which is a, a pretty terrible Star Fox like game that you can barely <laughs> see what's happening. Oh, uh, sure. So it's a virtual boy game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've already got the best game out of the way, which is Wario Land. That's actually oh, a, yeah. a legitimately fun game that you can play for about five minutes before your eyes m- want to melt out of your face. So um, it's, it is what it is. I think it's just a cool collector's thing. I picked up the virtual boy headset at uh, uh, this random dude's house for 50 bucks last summer. It was Oof. untested, no cords, nothing, just the headset. And I pieced it all together with uh, some replacement parts and ordered a controller on eBay. And now I've got the, the thing. It's working and everything. So uh, One of the things that I'm most excited for when uh, it's safe to congregate in person again is to just see a, and play a virtual boy in person. Because I've, I've never even seen one. Um, they're rare enough that uh, I may have seen a like boxed one at one of the boutique uh like used retro game stores in seattle uh something like a pink gorilla but uh i i certainly have no idea like what what it looks like to uh to wear um and so i'm dead curious but also i feel like my eyes are gonna fall out of my skull have you ever uh, played a video game and went, boy, I have a headache. This is enjoyable. <laughs> no? You know, oh, then you've I, never played the Virtual Boy. You know, I'm a, I'm a big Kid Icarus Uprising apologist uh, for the 3DS, and that is a game that will cramp your hand basically as soon as you start playing it, uh, and I still love it. Nick, so do you know who I, you're talking to? Uh, have we not talked on every single episode about how dedicated I am to Monster Hand? Don't uh, Monster Hand. Monster Hand. <laughs> Monster Hand, <laughs> you know, the famous uh, Capcom series. Yeah, it's the no. sequel to God Hand. Oh my gosh. No, like uh, the the cra- <laughs> the crab claw grip is what me and my buddy call it, but man, hours and hours on end I have like hundreds of hours in those games, but Kid Icarus, uh, if you have it, maybe maybe I'll borrow it and see how it uh, stacks up against Monster Hunter. I yeah, I it I have to say that it will probably be worse. Uh, Kid Icarus is interesting because you uh, you use the buttons or like the the movement um, controls and the tr- trigger on the left side, but you use a stylus on the right side, um, or with your right hand to to like aim with the the reticle sounds and awful so oh. you are you are holding you are supporting the entire console with your left hand uh some copies of this game i think it was the launch copies uh came with a stand for the 3ds to just like a little easel to prop it up um which i definitely have i may have gotten rid of the game at some point but i hope i still have it oh my um, gosh but uh, even with that, it still still was tough. But that game is, I think, really fun. And it especially has really great writing. It's very funny. And it has interesting 
it has more depth and twists than I would have expected out of a like long gap sequel to an NES game. Well, I think I've got our question of the week for next week, which is going to be um, what game has caused you the most physical pain? (laughs) 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 It seems it seems that we got some content lined up there. But uh, (laughs) so, Zach, we stopped you at Virtual Boy because, man, is that a tangent and a half? What else did you pick up this week? Uh, So the the very exciting thing was uh, a good friend of mine that I used to work with. uh, Garrett also used to work with him. His name is Aaron. He... um, Last year, sometime, maybe even two years ago, um, he was at his parents' house and he unearthed his old game collection from when he was a kid. And it was NES and Genesis stuff, um, all still with boxes and manuals, kept in great shape. He had controllers. He had this really cool entertainment center that the console went in, and he asked me if I was interested. At the time, I told him no because I just he wanted to sell it at once. I didn't have the money. Um, two years, one year, whatever it was, fast forward. He hasn't sold it. He got a few bites. Nobody committed. And so here I am. Now I have it. <laughs> uh, the most exciting thing in it from a uh, collector's like high-value standpoint is Mega Man 5 Complete in Box, wow. which is uh, about $270-ish. Um, Oof. So one of the rare NES games? It's a valuable, yes, sought-after yeah. I mean, the card alone is worth some money, but there's some other cool things like Mega Man 3, Complete in Box, uh, Dracula's Curse, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Oh. So just a, a really cool collection to have. Everything's in really great shape. Like He just kind of, from what I understand, it just his he had the situation at his parents' house where he just, like his room was how it was when he left, and <laughs> it just never really got touched. And so he went back there, and it was there it was. So... Uh, funny thing, uh, before I move on is the entertainment center has this plastic shell over the top of it. And something funny he told me was that that the first time he ever heard his dad lie was when they replaced that because they brought it home and they dropped something on it and it cracked the shell. And so they took it back to the store and said it was broken in the box. Um, I just (laughs) thought that was kind of a funny piece of history with that. Oh man. All of, all of us, uh, either currently or have formerly worked for retail knows that exact story of coming in going, <laughs> all right. Yep. Uh, I was, yes. I was about to say that exact same thing. <laughs> and, uh, I, I even have friends, I will not name names, but I have friends who have admitted to doing that, uh, while I've been working at the store that they did that too. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, uh, to some extent, if it's a gigantic company like the ones that we're almost certainly talking about, um, they can afford to to eat the cost a little bit. And they also uh, frequently have channels to uh, get those replaced or salvaged or what have you at a at a better rate than uh, than us normies can actually <laughs> repair or replace these things. So you're here to hear first. Uh... Nick uh, is endorsing just take your box, smash it, and bring it back to the store and go, it was smashing the box. Uh, uh, you know. Yes. Destroying capitalism <laughs> one little box at a time. What about you guys? Uh, let's say, let, Nick, you're up next. What have you been either collecting or playing? I I have a, a problem where I will just browse 
the Switch eShop and to a lesser extent, the PlayStation Store. And I'll just look at what's on sale and I'll think, I'm going to play this someday. And maybe 80% of the time, that's probably not true. But uh, I will just pick things up. And uh, this week it was Disgaea 1. Uh, which I definitely don't ever have time for, but um, but that uh, Garrett has been talking about being interested in checking out, and so I thought, well, if he picks it up, I'll I'll pick it up to play it too. Um, and I also picked up the finally re-released Scott Pilgrim uh, game, which I'm excited to come out with new eyes. I played it a little bit back when it was originally released. Uh, when was that again? It was on uh, the Xbox 360 arcade. I don't know what year. Yeah, it came out shortly after the movie came out. So okay. Whenever, whenever, the, whenever the movie came out, let's say... Like the teens er, early te- Yeah, the teens. Uh, teens. Yeah, and, and so I played it a little bit and was still at a point in my life where I just could not get into a brawler, but... Uh, since then, uh, since trying a bunch more and playing things like Streets of Rage 4 that I actually really enjoyed, uh, I think I'll come back to it with uh, a little bit more of a uh, of a, a fresh perspective. Um, and particularly, we could probably all play it co-op. Well, I, I was saying, so I bought it for my Xbox Series X, and I've got a pretty decent setup, so when we can, we could do a stream, we could record a video episode, I've got a TV right next to my setup, so we could do couch co-op episode uh, playing Scott Pilgrim. It's one of my favorite side-scroller beat-em-ups, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm particularly excited to try this game. Uh, I missed it entirely when it was on the 360, and by the time I even learned of its existence, it was gone. I couldn't get it anymore. And so Limited Run Games is uh, producing a physical copy that I've uh, ordered. And uh, unfortunately, there's no ETA on when it's going to arrive. It Just like when I ordered it, it was January 15th, I believe. And it's just like, eh, in a couple months, you'll get it. Who knows when? So we'll see. But I've avoided buying the digital copy because I have a physical one coming. But I do want to play it a lot. More fun with friends, I'll tell you that. Uh, you know, it's it's enjoyable, especially if you like the subject matter, the 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 comics or the games. But uh, playing together just is like, oh man, this reminds me of playing like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or X Men, like those classic Konami arcade side scroller beat 'em ups. Ooh, that's a good segue. Uh, we can jump ahead real fast. The new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game looks awesome, and yeah. even better than the game itself, which I do think looks cool. Is that new theme song? Yeah, um, the theme song was rad. Yeah, Mike Patton, so good. Uh, I will always uh, love and remember him as the voice of the darkness in the Darkness games. Um, oh yeah, he's he's gives such a great performance, and you can uh, find videos like behind the scenes videos out there of Mike Patton in the recording booth doing those voices. Uh, and it takes astonishingly little like special effects and post-processing to make him sound like a horrible alien demon. <laughs> he, I never played he's that just, game. Uh, such an incredible demon performer. <laughs> um, but yeah, those darkness games are pretty fun. Um, the second one in particular is, uh, is just a really polished, fun shooter. The first one, 
drags, especially near the end. There's a weird you time travel to this like hellscape slash World War One sort of deal. Uh, maybe not time travel, but there's some visage of hell that is very World War One inspired, and it's uh, it's a bit of a slog. But that second one I thought was uh, was really good, and especially because you have this really cool, interesting character, this uh, this entity that's possessing you, the darkness uh, over your shoulder all the time, uh, talking to you. It's it is literally the devil on your shoulder. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a cool series and they do a lot of interesting things, both, uh, visually and mechanically with the idea of having these like demon snakes coming out mm-hmm. of you. Yeah. I, I never played the second one, but the first one, like Nick said, it, it drags a little bit, but yeah, you can get through it. It's not that long. I would recommend it as well. So is the is the game based on the comic or vice versa? I know because I have a comic that was given to me. I've never read it. Mm. Yeah. So the game is based on the comic. Okay. Uh, I also have not read the comic, but I looked into it a bit um, back when I was playing the games and uh, or specifically the first game and thought this is a weird, interesting world. And I wonder if it's uh, done better in the comics. Um where you don't have to worry about uh, this weird, extended, unpleasant section. Um, and never actually got around to reading the comics. Um, but yes, I, I'll i say that second one, that second Darkness game is great. Yeah, my friend gave, it, gave me a volume. It's either volume two or three of the comic. And I've never read it because I don't want to jump in not having started at the beginning. But I've never had the desire to buy the first one, so... I might have to look into it just to give it a shot. <clears throat> Was there anything else you wanted to mention, Nick? Um, well, there's something that I think will uh, will take some time to go over. Uh, the only game I've actually been playing this week uh, is a whole ton of Hollow Knight, which I yes. believe we brought up a little bit last uh, last episode. Um, yeah, because I had but... just started it, so. Yeah, and I, I had I have started this game a few times. I uh, kind of fell off of it each time. I think in part because it's pretty difficult, and it takes some time to get used to the way that it feels. It's a it's an action platformer, Metroidvania style game, but the action and the platforming are both pretty precise and pretty uh challenging and so uh if you're not good at like naturally good at both of those games it's going to take some both both of those types of games rather it's going to take some practice to really uh get a feel for hollow knight but finally this time after uh giving it a third try on zach's recommendation it clicked and i fell in love with it and it's been all i've been playing this week um i i love metroidvania games in general uh particularly the metroid and the vania side of it (laughs) um i i grew up on the the game boy advance and ds uh castlevania games as some of my favorite games and uh i i have found a lot of that sort of ability to sink into a world and just fall in love with the 
location that I'm exploring and uh, all of the different biomes and sections and uh, it I've really gotten a feel for the way that the realm of Hollow Knight works um, and a, a sense of place there and I just don't want to leave. Yeah, it's really great. Yeah, like you said, the different biomes and, and the way that the soundtrack shifts, it never shifts away from being not eerie (laughs) there's almost nothing cheerful about the game and as you progress you're like i'm shining light into the darkness i'm the hero and you're like (laughs) like things are not things are not good and as you progress you're like oh things are just still bad and getting worse yeah Um, (laughs) there's a particular section in the game it's it's some of the the most like genuine sadness and regret uh that i've felt uh recently in a video game there's a section um that i'm not even sure what i did that triggered it but it uh it drastically changes and it changes in a way that hinders the way that you can move through that area and so you have to take a lot of roundabout paths um and it's it's also just unpleasant to look at compared to how it used to be and I, I couldn't help but think, wow, something I did just brought ruin to this zone. And now it's inconvenient for me. All the people in it are uh, in a bad way, um, even if they were just basically mindless bugs that I was just killing anyway. I still feel bad for bringing this <laughs> worse fate upon them. Well, and you'll notice that Nick is being intentionally vague because I think that after they played this game and after I I was like, yeah, you guys need to play this game. You need to be as vague as possible because <laughs> it's great to go into it with fresh eyes, not knowing anything except for it's a Metroidvania. It's pretty difficult. It doesn't really hold your hand. And that's all you need to know about the game. Uh, I totally. had a coworker, you know, just rave about it. And still every week he asked me every Monday when I see him, he goes, Hey, have you 125% completed the game? Because you haven't finished all the expansions unless you get 125% completion. And I'm like, no, I'm at like 110. And that was like months ago. But every week he's like, you need to finish everything. You haven't finished the game until you have 125% completed the game. And I'm, I just haven't gone back to it. But it's been awesome chatting with both of you uh, throughout the week, uh, listening to your frustrations and and the things that you've been going through. Yeah. I, I fell in love with it for sure. And I, I think I want to try to get to that 125% uh, mm-hmm. one day. Um, well, I'll, especially I'll with say, Silk Song coming out possibly sometime this year, maybe. That, that would be yeah, nice. There's, there's no ETA on that, right? It's just there's so, still no sometime, team, yeah. team Cherry's like, it'll be done when it's done. Um, <laughs> and you Zach, will love it. Uh, yeah, and you, you will love it. Um, <laughs> Zach, I found... Uh, I'm sorry to say this, but some of some of your rage moments, just I was laughing because I knew exactly what you were talking about <laughs> as you were just like, fuck this game. I almost broke my switch in half. What the hell? <laughs> there was one yeah. part in particular. I can't remember which boss fight it was, and I won't even say if I could because I, I don't want to spoil this game. Mm-hmm. But there was one particular boss fight. I was sitting there last Saturday playing it, and I was so frustrated. I picked my switch up in one hand like i was gonna just overhand softball throw it across the room and i was like i'm just gonna put this down and walk away now because like a I'm, heisman trophy it, toss it was awful like i was so frustrated and i came back to it and beat it the first try i was like what the hell is this like <laughs> just so beyond frustrated but um 
I was saying in our chat, oh, I haven't had that many super frustrating uh, experiences with this game. And then I almost immediately hit not even a boss, but a mini boss uh, that I just really struggled with and got super frustrated with. Like, yeah, OK, this <laughs> this mm -hmm. is why. Yeah, I have to echo everything that Nick said. Like, I've at this point, I've put the game down for a while um, just because I did get to the end quote unquote like i haven't done everything i think i'm at 80 percent completion um but i've got a coworker who wanted to borrow it and i have other games i want to get to so i said okay that's enough for now i'm gonna lend it to him and then i'll come back to it at another point but um absolutely fantastic game like really uh wonderfully made everything about it is perfect pretty much like i think this is a 10 out of 10 game yeah it's re it's really wonderful um uh, I'll say too, it gets a lot of comparisons to Dark Souls, and with the the tone and the the vagueness and the difficulty, that's that's totally true. But it is definitely less obtuse than Dark Souls. It 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 doesn't hold yeah, your hand, and it it doesn't explain a lot, but it explains enough to to get you by. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's it's less frustrating. Um, I, I heard in an interview article long ago, the director of the Dark Souls series uh, talking about how when he was a kid, he would read uh, novels that were in English, but he didn't speak English very well or really at all. And so he would like catch fragmented pieces and like piece together some vague sense of what was going on in these books and that was the feeling that he wanted to recreate in making the narrative of the dark souls games was like sh presenting you a world that exists but in a way that you are incapable of comprehending i'd say that translates well yeah I yeah i think that with hollow knight the the story is not clear like you you have to piece it together by talking to people by just observing the atmosphere, look at what's happening around you and, you know, listen to what the NPCs have to say. The very few of them that actually speak to you. Um, there are some other ways to get information from them later that I won't say, but um, the, the actual story is not told to you in a traditional way. And I think that's interesting. It's not for everyone because I know some people mm -hmm. want to just be beat over the head with the story. Sometimes I'm one of those people. So, uh, <laughs> likewise but, it, but this this is satisfying and i think the thing that makes this satisfying totally. compared to a dark souls story which i've given my myself over to not caring about even though i like those games a lot um because the the people that you talk to do speak not necessarily plainly but at least uh understandably and in dark souls it feels like everyone talking to you is talking in riddles or is uh mm -hmm. talking about like specifically about something specific that pertains to very little. And a lot of the story is through like looking at item descriptions and things. And there's nothing quite so deeply buried as that, that I've found so far in hollow Knight. Well, and hollow Knight gives you that package where the, the actual gameplay, which I, I've said time and time again, that's my big thing that I look for in a game. The platforming is, is pixel perfect the combat is very engaging and and it's like a puzzle, right? You're not just like, Oh, use this magic attack on this enemy. It's like, no, you got to figure it out based on the situation, the biome that you're in, 
watching out for other dangers. And then the way the story is presented too is uh, that's what I found particularly engaging because I'm like, Oh, I want to get deeper and I want to explore. And then I want to see when I explore these things, other things will happen in the game. And again, I'm being very vague on purpose, but the more you unlock, you find out that other things happen elsewhere in the world. So it really makes it feel like it's alive and that other characters in the game notice the actions that you're taking and the order of the actions that you take actually matter to some extent. So that I just found that that was very interesting for this, what I consider a little indie game. Yeah. What, what a wonderful game. Totally. Uh, it's a game that's been on my radar for a long time. I'm super glad that I finally got to it and sunk a bunch of time into it because I wasn't even intending to play this game when I bought it. I bought it with the intent of just owning it and then put it in and ended up, you know, putting 30 hours into it. So uh, (laughs) it just absolutely grabbed me in a way that I haven't had a game grab me in quite a while. Yeah, this was this was a a really revelatory discovery. And especially so because I had bounced off of it before. I, I don't know why I must have just been in some kind of mood or something, but I was I was ready this time. And I'm I'm so glad that I was. Well, but, if you don't uh, want to get your ass kicked, it's not a good game to play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Maybe I just uh, had a little little too many uh, repeats of of death runs. Um, but uh, yeah, I uh, on the topic of physical copies of digital mostly Switch games. Um, there are a couple of other things that you picked up this week, Zach. Right. Yeah, I'm always picking things up. It's kind of a problem. Uh, <laughs> and I you also... picked some stuff up for me, too. So go ahead, Zach, and then I'll, I'll go over that. Yeah, just really briefly, I picked up um, Dead Cells and Shovel Knight uh, for the Switch, which I'm excited to get to both of those. Um, I started Dead Cells a little bit. I haven't played a lot, maybe like an hour at most. And the gameplay is really cool so far. I look forward to playing that more. I played the first level of Shovel Knight just to give it a try. I love how retro it feels. It feels like playing an NES game. Yeah, uh, it's, it's so fun. It's it's like somebody made a Mega Man in in the modern day with modern design sensibilities and didn't make it as nuts hard as 9 and 10. Now, would you say Mega Man or would you say DuckTales? You know, there's there's probably a lot of DuckTales to it, but I never actually played DuckTales. Don't don't uh get me wrong, that's a DuckTales is a fine game, but I think it has more of a nostalgia rep than an actual fun rep because <laughs> that game is painfully <laughs> difficult. Uh, so Garrett, what what uh, what are you up to? Well, um, with the collection, uh, as I've spoken about before, I'm trying to reduce the amount of physical stuff I have, but I'm keeping like two things and and um, Dragon Ball games and uh, Monster Hunter games. And Zach picked me up uh, Monster Hunter Four for 3DS and Monster Hunter Cross, which is the um, uh, for for 3ds as well and they're both the japanese versions so i own both of the u.s versions and now the japanese versions and it's just cool because i i don't know if i had talked to him about this before but back when the switch released they made monster hunter double cross or generations ultimate as it's known in the u.s and they were like nope it's only in japanese so my buddy and i Oof. eric who we've spoken about we go we love this series We've played it. Nothing that like a little Google translate on your phone and like looking up some guides can't fix. And and there are communities out there that just translate everything for you. And so we imported copies 
uh, of Double Cross for our switches and played through it. So it was just when Zach, you know, dropped him on my front porch and I looked at him, I kind of got that rush where I was just like, oh, man, this is so cool. I never thought I'd ever play like an import game that I, I couldn't read the language it was in. But I just a deep love for Monster Hunter, big fan. So. Again, thank you, Zach. Thank you for picking those up, Mr. Game Collector. Of course. Uh, you're always you're always coming up with interesting finds, so that's that's gonna look awesome with all my other Monster Hunter games on the shelf. Yeah, why um, not? You're trying to get rid of physical stuff. <laughs> Here's some more shit. <laughs> hey, I'm getting rid of stuff, so it all works out, and most of it goes to you. So <laughs> we're tra- we're trading at this point. <laughs> and now you have room for all those monster hunters. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm like, uh what is that? Um uh, Marie Kondo, right? The Netflix, yeah. like, find the things that spark joy, right? And I was like, yeah, like my wife watched it, and, and I watched a couple things, and I'm like, to me, that kind of makes sense. And so I'm like, okay, if I could have two different game series where I'm like, I want to pull out the console and play it, Monster Hunter, and then the various good and bad Dragon Ball games, some <laughs> terrible ones that I'll just... Mo- mostly terrible. Most, mostly terrible, I will like admit. like 80-20, maybe. <laughs> It is, but it makes the Monster Hunter collection makes up for the Dragon Ball collection <laughs> <laughs> as far as gameplay goes. Um, uh, and then my ongoing uh, playthrough of uh, Chrono Trigger. First blind, I've never played the game, as I've mentioned before. Um, so Zach let me his DS copy. So I've been kind of soldiering through it. I, I joke about it to everybody. I go, this is my video game homework. Um, <laughs> but I'm three quarters of the way through my first playthrough, kind of. Um and uh it's 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 good i came across a couple frustrating pieces just because of the like i really i really love all the aspects of the game i think it's amazing and i wish i would have played it earlier because i think i would have had a a much deeper appreciation for it Uh, but you can see where a lot of other games draw inspiration and the way they do time travel is absolutely incredible like some of the story reveals have been really cool i've gotten really attached to the characters and again, I'll keep it generic. It's a super old game. I'm sure a lot of people have played it, but if you haven't, it's worth it. It's on Steam. You can get it on your phone for like seven bucks or whatever. Uh, I'm almost through my first playthrough, and I would definitely recommend it. it. It's a great game, and I can see why you two are so passionate about it and like it. I'm still not as uh, like keen on the soundtrack. Like I think it's fine, but uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'm repeating what I said last week, so I'll, we'll get away from that. But but uh, that's one thing I keep thinking of every time I'm like, <laughs> okay, like I get into a new zone and I go, yeah, this is good. I'm not gonna listen to it again. But this is good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can't see, man. but my fists are clenched. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Um, And I'm, I'm, you know, in my own house, you guys can't punch me. So, uh and I'm coping by thinking, uh, I'm, I'm just gonna make him listen to the Chrono Cross soundtrack, and it's, and it's like the Trigger one, but orchestrated Mm -hmm. and better. Cool. Well, I'll play, I'll play Chrono Cross. You know, but I need, I need some distance first. I gotta, I'll finish this. I'll need some distance, like. Where I'm at in the game, I'm actually considering doing another playthrough um, based on what you guys have told me, like kind of the non-spoiler stuff, because I am so engaged and I like the characters and I like the world. So at first I'm like, I'm just going to beat it and be like, nah, I'm okay. But now I'm actually considering a second playthrough. Uh, So hopefully by the next time we record, I'll be through my first playthrough and and uh, I'll give my opinion on that. Yeah, and there's some pretty interesting stuff that you can do in Chrono Trigger, uh, especially in New Game Plus. Uh, with uh, because it's a time travel game, 
there are some really interesting ways that you can go about uh, changing the way that that game ends. Uh, I, it's not too much of a spoiler to say that uh, pretty early in the game, you gain the ability to visit the place where the final boss lives. And so mm -hmm. at any point, if you feel ready, you can go and kill the final boss. And uh, in New Game Plus, that could be any time you want. Uh, and so depending on what you've accomplished in that playthrough by the time you defeat the final boss and rid the world of this particular evil, uh, the world will resolve itself in different ways and different things will have happened or not happened when your adventure is over. So there's some pretty interesting endings that you can get if you explore uh, doing that a little bit uh, differently. Yeah, every ending is based on when you decide to beat the final boss uh, at what point in time. And so it's super interesting. Like, I didn't go through very many of them myself. I looked up a lot of them just because I wanted to know what happened. But uh, it's pretty... Some of them are, are funny. Some of them are really neat. Uh, so definitely <laughs> it's worth <sort> exploring. <laughs> it's sort of the Silent Hill uh, philosophy of endings, of having some interesting, poignant ones and... Uh, also some really goofy ones <laughs> well uh, other, other than that uh i was gifted pokemon sword uh, we already owned pokemon shield and and as we talked last episode i was like oh well my wife and i i'm i'm getting my own switch so uh maybe my wife and i will will play those together because she is a huge pokemon fan and so this one was gifted to me by a friend. He wasn't playing it. So I went, okay, I'll start kind of just playing this on the side and, and play through it because I remember the, the game's pretty easy and, and I don't really have a an attachment to the, the new creatures or whatever. And I'm having a really good time. Uh, I'm just trying to get to the end of the original game so that my wife and I can play the uh, expansion together because there's co-op and everything in it. But I've really been enjoying my time with it so far, and I'm pretty excited for when we get to actually uh, play together because that'll be that'll be something we're always looking for co-op games to play together. And, and she played, I think, like 300 hours of, of Shield and got every Pokemon in the Pokedex. And and while I'm not going to go that crazy, she was disappointed <laughs> by she's just like, oh, so you're going to catch them. You're going to catch them all. And I go, no, uh. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm not. And she goes, oh, why not? And I'm like, I just don't want to. Oh. <laughs> That's not that's not my motivation. My 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 motivation is to get to a point and then co-op with my wife and that, that's <laughs> it. But I, I am having fun. I think that it's got an interesting story for a Pokemon game. I really when I was a kid, I was just like, I want that one and, and would catch it and play with that. You know, I didn't really care about the story. So, um, you know, to, what, when did that come out? 2019 Pokemon. Pretty decent story. I enjoy it so far. Yeah, I, I think it's is a testament to how far uh, the Pokemon stories have come that this is probably my third favorite Pokemon story uh, behind black and then, uh, or black and white and then uh, sun and moon, um, which both have excellent, like interesting, like twisty uh, at times, pretty high stakes uh, stories. And this one is engaging and interesting, but it's, uh, it's not quite, um, it's not quite to that level, but it's still really fun. And it's worlds beyond say Ruby and Sapphire, which I played growing up and still loved, but, uh, really could not have cared much less about the story. So yeah, I also put about 300 hours into Pokemon sword 
and uh, completed the Pokedex for the base game and the first expansion, except for one Pokemon, which is the Legendary from Shield, which I never got around to trading with one of my Shield-owning friends to get. So, <laughs> Well, I know somebody who's obsessive and could probably help you with that. <laughs> Sounds good. All you had to do is do what uh, a mutual friend of ours did and message me and say, hey, it's my birthday. Can I have your Legendary? <laughs> and I said, okay, I'm not playing the game anymore anyway, so here you go. <laughs> and that's exactly why I couldn't get it from you for the Pokedex. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, sorry, man, it's already gone. <laughs> yeah, well, I it it does so many cool things that for me, you know, I'm 30. When, when I played the game originally, I think Blue was the first one I played. I was like six or eight. And um, there's just so many things from like the battle theme. It's just memorable. And then the thousandth time you've heard it, you're like, I'm done. I'm turning the battle animations <laughs> off. Just make this end as quick as possible. <laughs> um, uh, but but it, it definitely does some things where if you haven't played one for a really long time and you come back to it, there's a bunch of conveniences in it. And so if you're looking for a game and you played Pokemon when you were a kid, I would say it's a good pickup for the Switch. I mean, it was built from the ground up for the Switch. It has a bunch of like nice modern quality of life touches to it. It's fun and engaging. And there's a bunch of Pokemon that you'll recognize from the original game that are actually in there. So um, fun nostalgia trip. Yeah. And some of them are in different new forms, too, which is kind of fun to see a different twist on. Um, like, for example, uh, coughing and wheezing the uh like gas cloud pokemon that were in the original generation um uh this uh this region that sword and shield are are set in galar is basically the the british isles um but in in pokemon form so um the uh galarian form of wheezing is has this like giant smokestack that is like a stovepipe hat um, and it's, I have it's not seen that yet. <laughs> what you haven't seen uh, that? I, I have a bird. It's like Farfetch'd the bird with the leak, and then he has like a shield, and then like cut the leak into a sword, and then his name is Sir Farfetch'd. And I was like, Sir Farfetch'd, yeah, Sir Farfetch'd is awesome. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's new in that game. Yeah, and and technically the version of Farfetch'd in Galar is different uh, compared to the the other base Farfetch'd. Uh, but really, the main difference is that his leak is really big. <laughs> <laughs> and that's about it. <laughs> and then he can evolve into to Surfetched. Um, yeah. But yeah, that game is cool. I, I think Pokemon is one of those series that has evolved in such a way that it's it's as fun and approachable as you remember it being because it's mm -hmm. added so many quality of life things to uh to grow up with the times and adapt to modern design sensibilities so uh so you can you can play it and think oh yeah the old pokemon was just like this and then you go play the old pokemon and oh god <laughs> that's kind of what i experienced with fire emblem one uh playing the uh the re-release on on switch of that nes game uh last week was oh boy i had no idea how much i needed all of these modern conveniences <laughs> well zach's got to share an animated video with you uh that he did which was uh 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 what was it monster hunter if monster hunter took place in pokemon world or whatever didn't you send that zach 
I don't you remember. You sent that this. to our other group? Okay, I'll send it to you, Nick. It's okay. horrible and hilarious. But anyway, uh, moving on. <laughs> I'm, hold on, hold I'm on. Very... We, have to, we have to actually move backwards here for a second. Oh. Uh, bef- before we recorded today, Garrett sent us a message and he said, Don't let me forget the dumb thing with Chrono Trigger. Uh, and I just remembered this. So, what is the oh, dumb thing? Oh, you did. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I didn't see your message. Okay. So, the dumb thing is so, you guys know how. Um, in old games, it's like battle tech speed fast or whatever. And I'm just like, yep, I don't want to sit for 30 seconds and let like he used the super attack and whatever. So at the beginning in the setup of the game, it's like pick all your settings. And so I read battle speed or I, I read battle speed as battle tech speed. So I've been playing the entire game. I'm like 20 hours in on the fastest battle speed. <laughs> and But the game hasn't been that challenging. And then I got to this boss and I'm like, why is this boss attacking four times before I can attack once? And um, <laughs> I was just going through the settings. I don't rem- even remember why. And I looked at it and I, and I see that it doesn't say battle text speed. It says battle speed. And I went, Oh, it's on fastest. Let me just see (laughs) if I turn that to normal and I turn it to normal and I'm like, oh, now I can beat. now I can. This is the game is really easy now. (laughs) You you were doing the martial arts thing of training with weights on so that when you are uh, doing the the challenge for real, it's it feels lighter. I was 20 hours in and so <laughs> frustrated with this stupid boss. I'm like, how, how is it even possible? Even if I have all these, uh, anyway, I won't get into it, but yeah, yeah, I was like, I'm so dumb. I'm so <laughs> dumb. <laughs> and, and I was totally puzzled. Like, man, I remember that boss being hard, but that sounds really extreme. Uh, and That's, I was similar, Nick. I was like, man, I died is- four times and, and I had, I have never died in the game i never had to reload my save and i was like what the hell's going on like why is it this huge difficulty i just killed something in one shot before i got I, I, an enemy i killed in one shot then i get to this boss and it just nukes me in the first turn i go uh, am i supposed to go all the way back and like grind and level up like what the hell's going on so i'm glad i discovered that but yeah i've been training with weights this whole time guys that's that's fantastic that's oh man and uh <laughs> speaking uh speaking of uh training with weights or or otherwise um does anyone else have anything more to talk about before we get to our question of the episode i don't i'm excited to get to this question yeah this is this is fun this really brought back some memories uh who was it who uh who sourced this question again yeah so i got this question from a friend uh matt uh peterson uh he is oh, hey. uh, one of the players from the Olympia area for HeroClix that we've all we've all met him before. You might not know who he is, but um, I speak with him a lot about retro games, and so I sent him a message. Said, "Hey, we need a we need a question this week." Yeah, and and his question was, uh, "What is the most overrated or overpowered fighting game character?" Which we have a fighting game expert here, so that's perfect. Uh, I personally don't consider myself much of an expert, so I I have a hard time decrying other people's opinions when I don't feel like an absolute expert, or even when I do feel like an absolute expert expert in a uh, in a topic. And so I could not think of any fighting game characters that I consider overrated because the mm-hmm. general ratings are generally how I get a feel for how things actually are. Um, but there, boy, have there been some broken, overpowered characters in fighting game history. Oh, I was yeah. similar, they're, yeah. 
I couldn't think of anything overrated, but I, I wrote down two for overpowered. Yeah, and Zach, you took one, and I'm like, this will be good. I want Zach to talk about the one because um, it's got an interesting story behind it. I'm excited for it. So, uh, Nick, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, so I'm uh, desperately trying to find the name of this old, I think it's just Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, but yeah the fighting game for super nintendo exactly so i i know this only by reputation but i was astonished to watch this uh be played uh one of the boss characters ivan ooze specifically in that game is totally nuts um every every basic attack button does something that would be a special in a different game like throws a fireball or um, oh my gosh <laughs> does a does yeah. a big attack and also he flies that's that's cool oh, he can just fly also, away <laughs> he can just fly away well, from your attacks and each one of his attacks does like i think it's like 25 to 30 percent of your life so you can only get hit <laughs> three or four times and you're dead yeah and it's a fighting game <laughs> it's pretty wild like watching him in action just makes you wonder like we've we've all played competitive miniatures games like Heroclix or competitive card games or whatever and there's always that moment sometimes when you're on tilt or upset for whatever reason where you think how did this get printed how did this get made (laughs) and that is the quintessential moment of that for uh for a fighting game um but i i never actually played with that in person the the most overpowered character i can think of that i actually used was uh back in the base original version of street fighter 4 uh i played sagat i liked sagat because he was relatively simple he did a lot of damage uh even though he was kind of slow uh and so i i didn't need to i i was able to end fights quickly one way or another either i'd get caught out in combo strings or what have you or i'd land a few good tiger knees and uh and it would be over um and only upon that's a curse word sir tiger knees a curse word (laughs) (laughs) and and i i mostly played alone or online with people that i didn't know and so i did not realize just how nuts that character was in that game uh until Uh. the next version of it came out and nerfed him into the ground um and until i started talking to people like garrett who have that kind of reaction Oh my gosh, the base base Street Fighter 4 and base Street Fighter 5 were essentially what characters have fireballs and which ones come out the fastest and also which which characters have better DPs or dragon punches so like anti-air so if somebody's jumping in you would do a DP or a dragon punch to punch him out of the air as kind of like a punish and Sagat had one of the fastest recoveries uh, it, it was insane. He could just do his, uh, I, I don't know why I can't remember the name of it, but he has a projectile attack and the recovery from the projectile attack, you could just stack them and you would force the other character to just like block and they would just be stuck for forever. And if you could execute it, especially with the horrible online, you would just do that. And then they get close and you tiger knee, tiger knee, tiger knee, tiger <laughs> upper, tiger upper. And it was, it was just like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. Most of the matches that I played of street fighter four online, when that game came out was one person's Ryu, one person's Ken or one person's Sagat. And it's just fireball. It's just Hadoukens <laughs> and Sagat's Hadoken like firing back. And then whoever gets the right blocks done then does an uppercut. And then it, the game's over. And so 
Oh, I'm just getting mad thinking about it. Yeah. But I'm glad that you enjoyed playing as that character because <laughs> I hated fighting Scott. <laughs> and I I never really did that. I like I would I at least didn't have the execution to make the wall of fireballs. Um <laughs> I I got okay at doing that with uh Morrigan in uh Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom three. Like there is a way for her to make a wall of fireballs, and that's kind of like the the gist of her character. Um you just hear soul fist a thousand times. Oh, eight million times a match. It's it's really, really uh, something else. But uh, <laughs> I, I never got uh, good at that with Sagat, but I, uh, I definitely uh, got the impression later on that he was overtuned even for the basic stuff I was doing. Yeah, that's just kind of the unfortunately the theme of uh, Capcom fighting games in the last few years uh, since Street Fighter four uh, in 2009 is hey we'll put it out in this state and then we'll make eight different iterations of it and so street fighter 4 had four different iterations now street fighter 5 has three about to be four pretty soon so um it's nice though in the modern era that of video games that competitive games like fighting games are getting these long updates and say what you will about how they the monetization schemes that they go through for it i think that they're pretty fair uh, if you want costumes, cool, spend hundreds of dollars on costumes. <laughs> but the fact that these games are getting supported for like three, four, five years is really, really awesome with the new characters, with balance patches. It breathes new life into the game. So um, it's a love-hate relationship. <laughs> it it makes it more reminiscent of an ongoing sort of, say, a miniatures or tabletop game like Heroclix or Malifaux, uh, my recent favorite uh where it's it's seasons it's uh like a game that continues to have life breathed into it and you kind of see that in the games as a service boom with stuff like destiny and battle passes for everything Mm -hmm. uh you you get games that last a lot longer because they're dynamic and updating and it means that if you fall in love with something you can stick with it longer and yeah, the monetization of some of these things can be hit or miss, but it's uh, it's nice to have that learning that you do of like learning this character in a fighting game not totally go to waste when the next game came comes out and it has totally different systems and it's something totally new like um like street fighter in particular i know those games aren't maybe a great example because they're so long between each release but um each game is so different from the last one that when street fighter 5 came out uh as someone who had played a bunch of street fighter 4 i had no idea what i was doing (laughs) well zach played in a tournament at my house for street fighter 5 and the one guy who's been playing since street fighter 2 and played street fighter 2 competitively murdered us with ken and he bought the game the day of the tournament because he had to play remote do you remember that zach you remember <laughs> joel do. coming in and just destroying he's just like here's ken and he just like destroyed the entire bracket <laughs> i sure do that was fun yeah i'll, well, I'll... Zach, what, what about you sir <laughs> well uh when i first read this question the initial first thing that came to mind was eddie guerrero in uh tekken gordo Gordon, Eddie Guerrero is a wrestler. Eddie yes. Gordo, <laughs> also, also <laughs> great competitive uh, Heroclix piece. <laughs> uh, Eddie Gordo, thank you. Uh, but the 
the thing that uh, I don't know if that character is actually overpowered. I just remember it being stupid, and nobody wanted to play against it, and we banned it from all of our like uh, you know local uh, couch co-op games because nobody could figure out how to beat him. So I don't know if he's actually overpowered, but I thought that was funny. Well, the the reason that he's so good. And I'm sorry for chiming in on the competitive fighting game side on both of these guys. <laughs> you're oh, you're no. good. I, I love the insight. So, so Eddie Gordo um, has an has incredible what's known as mix up in the game. So mix up is when you know so so you block in in a fighting game, right? But you have to figure out a way to get around block because if both players just block the whole time or one person has perfect defense, then the game doesn't really go anywhere. You just time out and it's not very exciting. So. When you do a standing block, you're susceptible to low attacks. If you do a low block, you're susceptible to overhead or high attacks, like jumping attacks. So Eddie Gordo is, he's like a breakdance fighter. So he goes from like doing spins on his head to like doing really low sweeps. And then he also has really big back steps where he moves out of range of the other character and he kind of rears back and then launches himself forward to do, to do attacks. So he has really good mix up. And unless you are a competitive fighting game person and you know what moves he's going to do and what the tells are, if you're just casually playing with your buddies, Eddie Gordo is insane because you just face roll the controller and <laughs> you're you're going to just mix up the opponent, kick him up in yeah. the air. And 90% of the time, you're going to do really well, especially um, I think he was introduced in Tekken 3. And so that's where everyone's like, Ugh. Eddie yeah. Gordo. And like that's the character. one that we played most. We played a lot of Tekken 3, and it was so frustrating to whenever anyone would play as him. So it got to the point where we just said, if you play as him, I'm just not going to play against you. So he just got <laughs> oh. he got banned from, from our uh, friend games. So Rude. His his style is uh, is capoeira, right? The sort of Brazilian yeah. dance yep. mm-hmm. fighting. Um, there's a there's a movie called Only the Strong, uh, starring Mark Dacascos, that is about capoeira, and it's very silly, but it's very fun. Oh man, I need to watch. Uh, what what's that uh, movie that just came out? I think it's called Jujitsu, and it stars Nicolas Cage as like a jujitsu master. Yeah, oh, I I'm a big Cage fan. I really need to see that. Yeah uh so yeah uh, I'll, I'll watch i'll watch both of those movies and we'll have to report back some other time absolutely the second character i wrote was uh gato the lion from bloody roar 2 and this came about because of something that garrett and i experienced together which was uh garrett as mentioned has held <laughs> these uh fight nights at his house and uh i won soul caliber 2 and so i got to pick the next game and i picked bloody roar 2 woof and yeah. Garrett and I both chose to play as God of the Lion and were absolutely demolishing everybody to the point yeah, where they made us restart the tournament. <laughs> yeah, because what because because what ended up happening was everyone was playing and it's it's a PlayStation one game. Right. So some people were emulating it to play it. And then Zach actually brought over original PS1 hardware and bought a copy, a physical copy of the game, unlocked all the characters brought it to my house where we had the tournament and um, Zach and I had been practicing as God of the lion. And we're like, man, this guy's awesome. So you don't have any perspective playing against another human being. So Zach, do you want to enlighten everyone on why God of the lion is so broken? (laughs) Uh, Well, it's, it comes down to one very simple thing, which is that every hit he does takes like a third of your life. 
He's an unlockable boss character. Uh, yeah. Boss character in the sense of he's not balanced like the other fighters. No. Uh, yeah. And so it, it's like a it's like a, a fun thing, right? Uh, it's not like a oh you unlocked a, a a new character. It's no, this is a, an older game. The base roster was tuned to some extent, and then you have this boss character. So we were playing and just destroying in our brackets, and we got to where it was just me versus Zach, and somebody goes, hey. It was, switch characters really quick. So we did Gato versus Gato. And <laughs> we were doing we were doing moves, and it's like, oh, so he does more damage, and I believe he also takes less damage. <laughs> Whoa! And that's and usually something. That's usually the thing. That's like the Akuma thing of you do more damage, mm-hmm. but you can take less. But no, he's yeah. just the best. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 utterly broken. So yeah, we had yeah. to restart the entire tournament like halfway through because uh, that one character was just so broken. Yep, they made us ban him. Nobody could play him in the in the next round. Mm-hmm. It was it was hilarious. Wow, um, this guy looks neither like neither of if... us knew that he was that he was so insane. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, this guy looks like uh, having looked him up. He looks like if Guile became a werewolf, but instead of a wolf, it was <laughs> yeah. a, a lion. And for the like uninitiated, that. Bloody Roar is a is a three D fighting game. So think about like Tekken, if that's your frame of reference, right? You have eight way movement. But your special power is you have all these fighting moves and then your special power is you have a beast meter and you can turn into this like animal humanoid hybrid. So there's like one that's like a chameleon, one that's a wolf, one that's a a cheetah, one that's a a mole with like. (laughs) Uh, razor claws um gato the lion so gato is on the cover of the game as the big bad and you beat him uh so many times or beat him on hard or something and you unlock him so zach and i almost cheated our way through a tournament (laughs) playing with a boss character that we didn't know was a boss character that's so funny (laughs) fun for us frustrating for others yeah, it's it's a really cool series that sadly has uh, has not been around for a long time. I I don't think they've man, I don't know the exact year, but I'm pretty sure that Bloody Roar 4 was the last like mm-hmm. pl- PS2 era like was the last one. It, it just has died. It, nobody cares anymore. Well, you know who the developer is, right? I don't actually not off the top of my head. <clears throat> Hudson Soft, the people who made the original Super Smash Brothers. Oh, okay. Oh, that's interesting. That makes sense. Yeah. Didn't so, they also make that Sonic the Fighters game? Yeah, that game. I played that as a kid. Actually, up here at uh, what's that big arcade that's in Seattle? GameWorks. GameWorks. I came, yeah. I came up here when I was in fourth grade uh, uh, to visit my uncle who was living in the Seattle area, and he took me to GameWorks. And I remember seeing Sonic the Fighters, and I was like, <gasps> Sonic, because I was a huge Sonic fan. I was a little kid, and and I was I didn't care. I I fed like probably four dollars into that game just like i'm punching people it's awesome but i never actually (laughs) played it later to get any perspective but i hear it's not a great fighting game it's it's not so good it got re-released on um the xbox 360 downloadable service for like ten dollars um they did a a few of these it might have been one of the bloody roars that was um uh that was released alongside it um some like I think it was Capcom Model Two uh, arcade hardware. Um, they brought some. Um, uh, boy, I'm really I'm really mixing things up. There was a, a little while there where a ton of old classic arcade fighting games were coming to uh, to mm-hmm. the 360 download service, and I played a bunch of them. And 
most of them were not so good. The original Soul Calibur is still really fun. Uh, and yeah. I played, what was it called? I played that Soul, that way. Soul, Soul. What was the beginning of Soul? It was Soul, Soul Blade Edge? or Soul Edge? Thank you. Yeah, Soul Edge. Yeah. I don't know. If, I've never played that one. Have either of you ever, ever yeah. played Soul Edge? I haven't played Soul Edge, but I played Soul Calibur. Likewise. Uh, yeah. But I that was only after going back to it after starting with two. Two, uh, as a GameCube kid, I uh, had oh, yeah. the, quote, best version of, uh, of that particular game because Link is a much more not... interesting character than Spawn or Heihachi. Nope, Spawn is awesome. <laughs> There's no quote about it. Link is absolutely the best. Spawn is second, and nobody gives a shit about Hayachi. What a terrible choice. Like, they could have chosen anyone for the PlayStation version, and they pick Hayachi. I mean, he's cool for Tekken, but you already have well, a Tekken can... character that's much cooler in Yoshimitsu. And right. And fits better in a, fi- in a weapons fighter. Yeah. Yeah. They uh, should have picked, like, Maximo. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's a deep cut. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. I uh, I I have to say, Spawn is a uh, pretty cool. Well, as cool as Spawn has ever been. I've always thought Spawn was kind of lame. Uh, it's a, that's more of an issue with uh with the the Todd McFarlane style than anything else. But he is uh pretty fun as a character in Mortal Kombat 11. Yeah, which is where my overpowered, stupid boss, stupid. Ugh. Can so you sense I, a I theme so... here? <laughs> I was so excited. I was so excited for Mortal Kombat 11 because I played Mortal Kombat 9. I played a ton of Mortal Kombat 10. I even, when Mortal Kombat 10 came out, I tried to have people over and, of uh, yep, Zach and Buddy Kevin and the cup and uh, uh, K-pop was over too. And we were sitting there and we were playing and it was pretty much me and Zach playing. We we're like, hey, does somebody else want to play? And they're like, no, we don't really like yeah. fighting games. We just came to hang out. And I'm like, damn it. But Mortal Kombat 11 came out. And, you know, I play a lot of these things solo. And, and so I really like the mechanics of the game. And NetherRealm does really cool things with the story. So kind of like Corona Trigger, the whole game I'm playing and uh, it's got like three hours of cutscenes. It's like a movie. It's great. You play throughout the whole roster. And then I get to Chronica, uh, which is the last, which is the final boss of the game, of the base game. Very on the and, nose name for a time god <laughs> boss character. Right. Yep, yep. And uh, I couldn't beat her. I tried, I think I counted like 27 times to beat her. And I was I was just playing on the normal difficulty and was like, wow, I must really, really, really suck. And I, I hate this character. She, um, I think you have to beat her three or four times. She takes less damage. She has moves that instant stun you, uh, moves that just go on for what seems like 30 seconds and take 80% of your life. And you get essentially two health bars. You get two lives to beat her three times. And, um, Oh, and if you, if you lose, it transitions to another stage and she gets all of her life back, which in mortal Kombat is not usually it's like the life that you have left, right. Is left over, but no. So it it's, Oh, it's just so frustrating. So I did it like 27 times. I, I uninstalled the game. Uh, I, I raged and I uninstalled the game. And I was like, my friends aren't playing this. Uh, I just wanted to play the story to finish the story. I'm like, nope, I'm I'm absolutely done. And didn't come back to it until the Aftermath DLC came out. Because I'm like, I, I'm invested in the story. I'll go back and beat her. Let's see what happens. And I went back and I beat her. 
And uh, if you do Liu Kang's like jumping kick, the AI just doesn't doesn't recognize what you're doing. It's not reading your inputs. So I just jumping kicked her 80 times and yeah. that beat it. And I was like, my integrity as a fighting game player is out of the window. I don't care. Forget Chronica. Like that's yeah. the, one of the worst video game or fighting game bosses of all time. And she's not even a playable character. Uh, so you just have this like wall of a boss that has really cheap moves. And yeah, I, I was, I was over it. Yeah, I I really struggled with that, especially because I don't really play Liu Kang, uh, and you have to play as Liu Kang. Spoilers, I suppose, uh, to to fight her in that that final encounter. Um, well, in a special version of Liu Kang too. Yeah, that you also can't play as right <laughs> in like the normal game. It's like a boss character versus a boss character, but one of them does way less damage. Yeah, so I I also got frustrated, but I looked to the internet for advice and uh, learned the thing that you said of yeah, just do his his jump kick over and over, um, and that's the the way you kind of have to to deal with it if you are not a godlike Liu Kang player. Uh, random side tangent about uh, Aftermath is that the Switch game is all digital. They sell you a physical case, but there's nothing in it. That's so yep. stupid. Yep. I just wanted to make that note because I went to go buy it because my wife expressed interest in it because she likes Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. And I learned that there was nothing inside. And I was like, well, that's really get it for, stupid. Get it for PlayStation 5. They yeah. have the Ultimate it, Edition that has that's all the stuff. That's what I'm going to do. Yep. And if uh, if she wants, I'd I'd be down to play anytime. I would love to play as well because I really like uh, Mortal Kombat. Is it cross platform? No, it's not cross. I mean, sad. Once once we can, I'll be like, all right, I'm gonna show you how to beat up on Zach. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, she already kicks my ass by button mashing because I'm terrible at fighting games. So that's something. Uh, I I also have to mention the Switch version of Mortal Kombat 11 is famously pretty terrible. Um, There is a a great video from Giant Bomb, one of their quick looks, where they look at that game. And there is a part, um, one of the modes in, uh, one of the recurring modes in recent Mortal Kombat games is the Crypt, uh, where you, it's like a, a, a... roaming adventure uh, sort of zone where you uh you go through and unlock chests and get like cosmetics and unlockables for the the regular game uh and if you're a mortal Kombat fan like if you've seen the movies if you played any of the games at any point it's got a bunch of really cool easter eggs that reference pretty much mortal Kombat through it's like 20 year history well almost 20 year history and uh, it's it's just really neat but go ahead it's it's super cool yeah it's it's a great great little zone to roam around in um but there's a a particular part where um you you are uh looking out onto a off to a vista and in the background there's a bridge and there are people fighting on the bridge and that bridge is one of the stages for mortal Kombat 2 it's one of those great easter eggs but the draw distance on the Switch version is such that you don't see that at all. And so this <laughs> it's just fog. And so this really awesome. cool background detail is just gone. And I think that's just emblematic of how rough that Switch version is. So All right, we're going to get ultra sidetracked here for a second. Which, which is your guys' favorite Mortal Kombat game ever? 10. X, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I I would say 
mechanically 10 um, just because of the fighter variations. I really, really dug the fighter variations. It, it made it so that there was essentially three versions of every character. Yeah, and I think that was more elegant than the way that 11 has it, where you can customize your character with variations on specific moves. Uh, mm-hmm. And there are there are certain uh, loadouts that are tournament acceptable, but it doesn't feel nearly as unique yeah. and like character changing as the variations in 10. And my favorite story was nine when they like kind of soft rebooted Mortal Kombat. I thought that that one had the best story. And, and that was when I was the most engaged with it. Like I was a broke college student and I heard that the Mortal Kombat was coming out and I wanted to share it with my friends because I grew up playing it. And so I had this change thing. So whenever I went and bought beer, I, you know, I was paying for everything in cash then. And so I had all this change. And so I had this like big empty bottle. I saved change in it. And then when I heard the game was coming out, I went to Fred Meyer, exchanged it. I had like, I think it was like exactly $65 and change. <laughs> and then I like walked to the electronics department, bought it for 360, walked home. And like me and my roommates played it all night. Yeah. That, that game is fantastic, and I loved the story for that in particular, but I liked the story in 10 even more. Uh, I, I think it really resonated with me. For some reason, um, the, the way that it focuses on the kids of, uh, of many of the main characters, um, yeah. there was something fascinating about the way that it was acknowledging that this series is 20 years old and the world has kind of moved on. And uh, (laughs) yeah, so it's like Cassie Cage, uh, Luke Cage and Sonya Blade's daughter. Um, It's uh, yeah, it's uh, Kenshi's son um, and Takeda. Yes. And Jax's daughter and mm-hmm. one other but they're they're four uh, they were colloquially referred to as the combat kids um <laughs> but uh i thought they were really cool and i thought their mechanics were really cool of uh taking some uh combat mechanics from their parents but also doing their own thing and i loved cassie in particular well now zach's gonna tell us that mortal kombat 4 was his favorite oh i fucking hate mortal kombat 4 <laughs> oh yikes <laughs> actually so oh, I have really? terrible memories of playing that game on N64. My friend would make me play it with him when I went to his house because it was like his favorite game. It's all he wanted to play, and I hate that game. Uh, actually, MK3 Ultimate is my favorite. Mm. Okay. It's a very good game. I've uh, got that on Steam. We should play it sometime. Yeah. I haven't uh, played a lot of 10 or 11, however, so like the, the little experience I have is playing with Garrett. <laughs> so it's uh, it's very limited, but... Um, aside from MK3 Ultimate, I really liked Deadly Alliance a lot as well. I think that game was really fun. Oh, yeah. I had that on GameCube. That was the one where like you had the stances and you can get weapons, right? Yep. Yep. It, yeah. had, it was a weapons fighter. It was kind of weird. And was it yeah. 3D, too? Yes, it was. It was. Weird. Yep. Weird. Yeah, weird for Mortal Kombat, but I think still a good... I just remember, is it uh, Bo Raicho? He's like the drunken yeah. master, and yeah. he does the, be- the belly slam. Yeah, it was the first game him. that Ken, was it Kenshi or Kenshin was in the blind guy. That was the first Kenshi. game. Kenshi, was in. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And he has and he has a katana. This is his yep. weapon. Yep. He was my favorite character in the game. He was awesome. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on here. Uh, any exciting news or games that are upcoming? You guys wanted to 
talk about? Uh, I want to get something out of the way real quick. I won't talk about it for too long, um, but Disco Elysium, the final cut is coming out. It's been known for a little bit, but it finally got a release date announced. It's coming out March 30th, which is not very long from now. Um, Yeah. Is it coming out on Switch? I don't remember if it's coming out on Switch. I know it's coming out on consoles. I remember, was it announced at the, what was it? Was it the Video Game Awards or something where they're like, hey, the definitive edition with like all the voice acting and everything? Like, is this is the version you're talking about? Yes, right? there's a ton of new voice acting. Um, I don't remember if there was any voice acting at all in the original version, which was still amazing. Um, I really love what I played of it, but as soon as I heard that there was going to be a definitive version, it of is voice coming acting, to Switch. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, great. I'll, I'm going to pick it up because I watched just the trailer and it's very hard for me as a person to watch a trailer and be like, yeah, I want to buy that. Disco Elysium, whatever this definitive edition, complete edition, whatever you want to call it, is coming out. It hooked me. I definitely want to play it. It's it's incredible. It has some of the best writing I've encountered in a video game and it has a really amazing setup for an RPG like specifically a tabletop style RPG where there are a bunch of stats and skills that you put points into because your skills are not necessarily about what you can accomplish and what you can do in the world. They do have some of that, uh, uh, functionality. Um, but the main thing that they do is talk to you and they have lines uh, where it the lines are credited to your your skill in this um, mm-hmm. this particular field and they'll say um, like if you have of course now I'm blanking on the names of all the skills but um, uh, if you have a particularly high intuition you're more likely to get your intuition stat sending you a message saying hey maybe you shouldn't trust this guy that you're talking to or okay or what have so way more of kind of like investigative like story driven it's not like an isometric combat game it is very much like a a game of wits you're chatting with other people and trying to investigate it's it absolutely is and it's it's so much about your inner life and your inner uh, dialogue with yourself and the aspects of your personality. Um, it, okay. it, it has little to no actual combat, um, but it's, it's really wonderful. It's so cool. It has a lot of interesting politics in it too. Um, hmm. uh, in fact, one of the things that the final cut is adding is a, a set of four side quests that are new that are, uh, accessible based on the political alignment that you come across in the uh, in the game as as you interact with the world and define yourself. Um, I won't spoil anything uh, significant because it is a game very much about story and discovery. Uh, like we've talked about a lot of things, but the start of the game is you waking up having gotten so drunk that you have lost your entire memory. And so you (laughs) you you wake up in a hotel room um, and uh, like your first skill check is to try to get your tie off of the ceiling fan. Um, And (laughs) when I first played this game, I failed and I had a heart attack and I died. (laughs) What? And so three minutes into the game, game over, um, 
because I tried to reach up and grab my tie and I fell and I had a heart attack and I died. Uh, it was great. Um, that was kind of on me for not putting much uh, into my physical skills, but regardless. Um, okay. Yeah, so so you kind of construct your identity based on the way that you interact with people uh, through through the game and you it is a um like you said an investigative sort of story you uh discover through people talking to you that oh i'm a detective i guess i should investigate <laughs> something <laughs> um and so the way that you choose to gotta find clues that, yeah <laughs> yeah exactly um and of course everyone around you is like man this drunk asshole who has no idea what he's doing or where he is um they just have no patience for you and it's it's very funny that that game's fantastic and i'm really excited to get into the best possible version of it it's a game that i've had uh for a little while now i bought it on epic on a sale and i haven't got around to playing it yet but if there's a better version coming out and if it's coming to switch i'm more likely to pick it up there and play it so well if you own look for that if you own the game, they upgrade you for free, which is oh, part of the they? trailer. So you'll get you'll okay. get the complete edition with all the updates for free. So you already own the game. Yeah. Then I'm less enticed to buy the Switch version, but <laughs> it's sorry. I'm also I'll, stupid and like to waste money, so I'll probably still do it. It's also a game I'll say that is very heavily text based, and so uh, being close to the screen in the way that you are with a, a computer, I think, is kind of important. Um, because there's this huge text box uh, or this text box that takes up the the right like third or quarter of the screen that is a pretty significant part of the experience. So I think UI mm. scaling on a system like the Switch might make it a little more difficult. I'll wait for reviews, but uh, yeah, this, this is on my list. Whether it be Switch or be PC, I'll, uh, I'm definitely going to pick it up. I look forward to a book club style uh, all of us playing this because I think we could have some really interesting uh, interesting stuff to talk about, especially because the politics in this game are so interesting. And and it's a game very much about choice where you define your character and uh, the way that things turn out based on what you decide to do. So I'm very excited to talk with you guys about it. Well, that's not too far away, so let's let's uh, come back to this. We'll we might all have to play this at the same time and have a discussion about it. Yep, uh, I'm down. Garrett, what about you? Anything cool coming out that you want to point out? Oh, I don't know. A little game called Monster Hunter Rise comes out on <laughs> Friday. Amazing. Uh, I think I've mentioned it on every single episode. I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> listeners, but um, yeah, you're going to hear me talk a lot about Monster Hunter. I'm going to try not to, but. But really, that's the only thing I'm really excited for. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else that's coming out. Monster Hunter, Guilds Gear Strive got pushed until June. Yeah. There's nothing else that's really on my radar. Um, oh, Elite Dangerous is getting um, their first-person shooter component added to it in like an alpha state at the end of the month. But it's like a closed alpha, so... It's going to be developing and rolling out throughout the summer, but those are my big three. Fun. And and I'll say you've harangued both of us into giving Monster Hunter Rise a try. So I think you have. I think that'll be fun. I, I am typically <laughs> the kind of person who plays games mostly alone, uh, but I think this will be a fun break from that to play a game together and really have this fun co-op experience that I have heard so much about and never experienced in Monster Hunter. 
as as Nick referred to you the, the as the uh, the noob sherpa. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm I'm the monster hunter noob sherpa. But yeah, play there's a free demo out. Please play the demo because if you're not interested in the combat and not interested in like learning about it, there's definitely kind of a steep curve, but the game gently, you know, you fight easier monsters and go up yada yada, but um it is it's its own experience when you play by yourself, but Nick you'll experience if you, if we end up do playing together it is completely different when you're coordinating with other people. Um, so it's, it's, it's one of my favorite things to do. So as I mentioned to you in text, I will go back. Like if there's somebody that I hear about and they're like, I'm thinking about getting into monster hunter. I'm like, okay, yeah, let's play together. Uh, I'll take you through stuff and I will play all the easy missions. I make a noob armor set and I just like, I descale myself because there's no levels in the game. But anyway, uh, I'll move away from that because I'll just talk about Monster Hunter all the time. Listen, I was sold once you told me there were Palamutes in the game, so... There are. There are do- so bef- there are Palicos, which are like your little cat buddies that have always been part of the game. And in this game, they're adding Palamutes, which are... They're like giant husky wolf-like dogs. And not only do they fight with you in battle, but you can ride them like a <laughs> like a steed into battle. And it makes traversing the overworld really quick. They can like climb up hills and you can do all kinds of stuff with them. So um, it, it's going to be an interesting mechanic in the game. Wow. It's That's like, all I needed to hear. It's like when Nintendogs had added cats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Except for if your dogs and cats, like if your dog held a sword in its teeth and like did like eight somersaults and tried to attack a dragon that was eight times its size, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that happened. I'm sure. Yeah. Nintendogs dragon edition. <laughs> <laughs> Nintendogs plus cats plus dragons. Yeah, like Mario Puzzle and Dragons ain't got nothing. Mm-hmm. Nintendogs <laughs> and Dragons. Nintendogs and Dragons, that's that's where it's at. The ultimate competitive experience. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Zach, did anything uh, cross your radar this week? Uh, lots of things did, but I just want to shout out the... Eh, it's maybe not this week. Maybe it was last week. I don't remember. But uh, Mario Golf Super Rush... I'm super mm-hmm. excited for that. Ah. I don't know what it is about the the Mario sports games, but the golf games are always the best. And so I'm very excited for it, especially when I saw that there was a story mode because it makes me think back to the old like GBA RPG Mario Golf. What was it? Power mm-hmm. Power Oh man, I'm going to miss this. Like the yeah, Power Mario Tour. Power yeah, Power Tour or something so- like that. Something but like that. You missed you missed one of the modes though. Did you not see the race mode, Zach? the uh the speed golf looks yeah awesome. speed golf it where it's like it's golfing and running at the same time yeah everyone's golfing at the same time and you sprint across you have power-ups <laughs> like mario kart and you just i don't know it looks amazing <laughs> yeah it's yeah I'll, I'll be picking that up we can play that together it's really fascinating just the concept of it as soon as i saw that in the trailer i thought this is a genius idea and it's going to be total chaos. Um, yeah. Speed golf. Yeah. I'm ultra excited for, for, for super rush and that's not till June, end of June, unfortunately. So ways to go for that, but I'll absolutely pick that up day one. Cause I'm a big fan of Mario golf. I'm not even a big golf fan, but Mario golf games are just so much fun. I think mm-hmm. golf games in general, I think golf especially well translates to being made into a video game. There's so much, of playing golf that is busy work between shots and like doing the the physics 
estimates in your head of uh, of trajectories and things that video games can make easier and abbreviate. So in a sort of casual, uh, n- not so serious simulation-y sort of video game, you can get just the fun parts of golf and just the satisfying parts of golf. Well, and when in doubt, slap Mario in there. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, especially a, a more characterized or comical golf style game like Hot Shots or uh, mm-hmm. Outlaw Golf or Mario oh, Golf Outlaw. always Oof. is more fun. You know, like there there's something to be said of like the Tiger Woods or the or the uh, oh my gosh, what's his name, Rory McIlroy. Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. those uh, games, Golf Club, like those are great simulation style games. But I've always had so much more fun with the arcadey style. Yeah, big big recommend on everybody's golf uh for the ps4 which is a hot shots game uh it was always known as everybody's golf in japan and now it is in the u.s too but um (laughs) yeah everybody's golf for ps4 big recommend a lot of fun yeah and uh speaking of golf uh tiger woods is now the licensed the golf thing now it was you know 2k took the license over ea and then now 2k is working with tiger woods again and so wow uh, it'll now be called pga tour tiger woods something something i don't know but uh, i play the i played the the pga tour 2019 and 2021 i think i mentioned it on a po- uh, po- uh, past episode um and yeah it's fun i don't practice it and i go out and, and i play with my buddy like once a month and i'm like this is great i spent 30 bucks and it's less than my green fee would have been in real life and uh <laughs> I don't have to hold on to clubs or anything like that. And also I get to wear awesome outfits. Like I have a a classic like Scottish, like, (laughs) like short pants and like really high socks and a super awesome knit sweater that I would never buy in real life. And I'm like, hmm, digital monies. This just (laughs) don't have to actually put any real effort into it. How's your hat? Do you have a great Scottish beret? Uh, I do. It is fantastic. Oh, wonderful. (laughs) I'll send you a screenshot. Let me tell you, somebody who has had interest in playing golf in person uh, but doesn't want to be poor, uh, video games are great. And I live next to a golf course, and this, yeah. this is, and like I just don't use it because it's such an expensive hobby. Um, it is a fun game to play, don't get me wrong, but, man, it is expensive. Oh, yeah. I love playing golf. Like I, It's really, really fun, but it is also very, very expensive and very time consuming, like many of our hobbies, uh, namely video games. <laughs> yes. But uh, and, and miniatures but still, for me, like and miniatures, we, we mm-hmm. talk about our collecting habits and I'm just as bad as anyone else just for uh, miniatures and models rather than video games. Uh, one, one other thing I want to call out real fast. Uh, Assassin's Creed got its first DLC is coming. Uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, April 29th, Wrath of the Druids. Um, seems like it's pretty cool. I look forward to getting back to that world. It's I'm not somebody who typically buys DLC, but after sinking 85 hours into the main game, I'm totally excited to get back to it. So yeah, I'm I'm sold. And uh, there's also a uh, a festival, uh, a seasonal festival that's happening in the game right now. That's uh, not DLC. It's just a, a free update. Uh, they did something like this for. Yule and now this is Ostara, the spring solstice. Um, so it's hopefully it's better than the shitty ass Yule festival. Oh my, yeah, that Yule stuff was really rough. I had several um 
repeatable bugs uh, that totally broke several of the little mini quest lines and the little activities you could do. There's a little brawling mini game where it's just a series of fist fights um, that was fun until it ir- irreparably broke and uh, soft locked the game every time I, I played it. Uh, yeah, I eventually gave up and uh, just said, fuck this, I am not going to deal with uh all these bugs just to get this limited time armor um and uh apparently i made the right choice yeah i hate (laughs) you a little bit because i on the other hand suffered through the massive amount of bugs got all the pieces of armor and now they're giving it for free for everybody so zach you're telling me that an ubisoft game that's open (laughs) world that has a shoehorned games as a service thing is broken. No, apparently, no. Big, big shocker, right? <laughs> what? Ah, oh, ah, oh, man. <laughs> Newsflash. Mm. Oh, disappointing. Yeah. Well, game's very fun. the The sad part, I think, the 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 most sad thing about the new festivals is the exact same activities as the previous one, and so it's brawling arrow shooting and and uh, mead drinking and with some new quests like little side quest things but the quests aren't fun but the actual three activities i think i read are the exact same which is kind of lame so well don't you know in viking lore that you only brawl do archery and drink mead (laughs) during these festival times (laughs) did you know did you not know that's the only Uh, way to uh, celebrate uh, everything apparently yes come on have you not read when you combine all three (laughs) have you not read norse mythology by neil gaiman i have listened to it Yes, it's great. It's really great. <laughs> it was it was it was wonderful, and especially the audiobook because he narrates it himself. It was awesome. He does. He does mm-hmm. a great voice for Fenris, and he does a great doofus voice for <laughs> Thor. Yeah, it's <laughs> Thor pretty, voice is hilarious. It's pretty good. Just the most brainless meathead. It's just perfect. Um, well, speaking of mere mead and festivals and and uh, being stupid, what are your thoughts on the beer? It was good. My thoughts are the same as when we started. It's, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's a light beer. It goes yep. down smooth. I drank yeah. three of them, and now I have to pee really bad. So, <laughs> uh, well, I think it's totally fine. Like I'll, I'll absolutely, I would drink this again for sure. Yeah. Well, I guess, I guess we'll burn through this outro then. I only drank one, but I easily could have drank two. I found myself like gulping this in a way that is impossible with most of the beers I drink. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's very light uh and not super satisfying as far as a drinking experience is concerned i'm usually more of a sipper in general and i had to fight that uh that urge uh for this Mm -hmm. but um uh i am pleasantly surprised with how flavorful it is for a light beer and i yeah i i enjoyed it um particularly for a, a party or something uh, God forbid those ever happen again, uh, where I would want to just have a drink to drink and not necessarily, um, uh, ponder it and savor the, the flavor profile of it. This is just a nice, simple, but not unpleasant beer to drink. So I'm, I'm definitely going to finish the whole six pack because it will, it will not take a lot of strain. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's just a smooth light beer. There's no real frills with it. And for me, I have that personal connection that I talked about at the top of the episode. But yeah, I mean, so many times 
I, I would stop drinking beer sometimes. And I love beer uh, just because of we have all these microbreweries and it's great, but it's just a saturation of the same flavors kind of over and over again. So I like to drink a light beer every once in a while. And I would go back to like Rolling Rock or Rainier and more often I'm like, well, I, I really don't enjoy those flavors or I'm not at a party trying to just get drunk and drink cheap beer. That's not super filling. And so if I want like a light beer, uh, eight Oh five is kind of my mainstay, especially since, you know, starting to drink it a couple years ago back in California. Yeah. I think it's absolutely a great pick. Yeah. I'm glad we had the chance to uh, experience it up here in Washington. Um, it's cool that it's spreading out a little bit. Um, it reminds yeah. me a little bit of uh, Mac and Jack's, which is a local beer um, or a local brewery that uh, used to not can their their beers. I still think it's better on tap, but um, now they're doing cans, and now you don't have to go to a bar to drink it. And well, you'll just have to get a keg and a kegerator. Nick. Yep, that's that's all. <laughs> and you you have to you know I'll buy a six pack and I'll be like, yeah, it's not as good. And then you have to finish a keg. It's oh boy, kegs. <laughs> I imagine as the vinyl collectors of the the uh, beer world, it's like it's just not the same if you don't have it in the original <laughs> experience. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, we have a, a pressing time uh, concern uh, to get out of here. So uh, for Zach's bladder, so. Uh, I guess uh, we'll call it a show. Um, yeah, thanks for joining me, uh, Garrett and Zach, and I look forward to the next uh, next episode of the Co-Hops Podcast. Absolutely, and you can find the Co-Hops Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Co-Hops Podcast. You can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Zach Has No Pants. Uh, you can find me at Gmink sixteen on Twitter. And you can find me on Twitter at nprinzing, like printing, but with Z, and at Nicholas Prinzing uh, on Instagram. And that is that. So without further ado, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Have a great night. Thanks, everyone.